Welcome to Wellspring on the Air. My name is Mario Diarmas, the therapist, and I'm joined by Alicia Foss today. How are you, Alicia? I'm doing well. Thank you, Mario. It's good to see you. And I am so excited to cover this topic of the five love languages. Uh, just an incredible book and works wonders for therapy because it involves a mutual understanding of the love language of the counterpart. So we'll have a lot to talk about today. Uh, but Alicia, just for our audience, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, thank you, Mario. So my name is Alicia Foss, and I am a registered mental health therapist here at Wellspring. I've been at Wellspring for about two years, and I have my master's in marriage and family, and I do a lot of work with couples and a lot of work with families and parenting. Excellent. And I'm sure you've seen the love languages at work, and I know that we're being a little cryptic right now, but we'll get to elaborate on what that means. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, this is so close to my heart, so why don't we just get to it straight away? Why would you say it's important uh, to understand your love language, your husband's love language, uh, your children, your friends? Why would that all together be important? Yeah, so... So I really love this book and it's a book, as you had said, Mario, that we use a lot in therapy. And it's a book that I use frequently when working with couples or working with families or any sort of relationship dynamic. And, you know, psychologists have concluded that the, that the need to feel love is a primary human emotional need. And without it, um, you will definitely be socially and emotionally challenged. And so we all know that we need to feel loved but we all feel loved differently. Every person has different ways that they feel loved. And when we can understand the primary love language of our spouse, of our children, of our friend, then we're able to meet that need that is there. And so when we can discover what that is, if that's quality time or physical touch, then we know how to, we know how to reach that person in a way that, that we hadn't understood before. You know, frequently I'll hear in marriages when I work with couples and in marriages is that, oh, I feel lonely. I, you know, I feel lonely. I don't feel like they understand me. And sometimes it's because what they are saying, what they're communicating when they say, I feel lonely, or I don't feel like my spouse understands me is what they are saying is that my love need is not being met. And right. so when we're able to discover what their love need is, then you notice that they start to feel that connection with their spouse. Exactly. Exactly. I believe Gary Chapman is the author of the yes. book. Correct? Yes. Yes. The book is the five love languages. Yes. And the love need. And he often refers to our tank being empty. He'll mention that. And it makes perfect sense. But reading about it was eye-opening because we I don't love the same. You don't love the same. Right. And therefore, I don't receive love in the same manner. So right. to understand how a person receives love in the most optimal, fulfilling manner is integral to having that reciprocity in a relationship. So Right. In terms of that, we have the five languages. Why don't you tell us what they are specifically? Yes. Yeah, so the five love languages that Gary Chapman talks about in this book is words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And so, you know, again, kind of going back to the question that you had brought up is that you know, when we learn to speak the love language of our friend or our spouse or our child, they, their tank is filled. 
they feel appreciated, they feel loved, they feel happier. And they start to, they start to feel that safety in the relationship because you are filling up their love tank. And so that's what Carrie Chapman says is that we all have this love tank. And if we're not meeting that you know, need, then our love tank is kind of empty and we don't feel that happiness. We don't feel that satisfaction in the relationship. We don't feel appreciated. We don't feel loved. And so when we start to discover, oh, okay. So, so my, one of my boys, his primary love language is quality time. And so I make sure that every day or as often as possible that I give him that quality time, that undivided attention, because I know that's how his love tank is filled up. And I know that's how he feels loved. And so um, the, this book really does, I think, change and does wonders for relationships. And, not, you know, it's not just for couples. It's for any sort of family or any sort of relationship. It really does wonders when you start to know how I can meet that need of my friend or my spouse or my child. That's wonderful. One of my favorite philosophers noted that attention is the deep watermark of love which entails observing your loved one, your child, your spouse, and ascertaining what their love language is. Yes. But that requires close attention. And once you actually determine what their love language is, or if the person expresses it either in an implicit way or outright, mm -hmm. then you can address them and meet them there in that particular place. Mm -hmm. So... To bring more light to this, would you go into greater detail about each love language? Yes, I would I, I would be more than happy to. And you know, another thing, just kind of going back before I do that, is that you know, when we when we know that one of the core needs in any relationship is empathy. And so how do we have empathy? Empathy is understanding on a deeper level the need of your of of your friend, of your you know, of your spouse. And so when we create, how we create empathy is really understanding them. And so when we do the five love languages and be able to give them that need, it does create that empathy, which creates a deeper and more intimate relationship. I just wanted to say that. Which is a little uncomfortable because let's say yeah. my love language is words of affirmation, yeah. but my spouse is all about acts of service. Yeah. Then yeah. if I just love my way, that person is not benefiting from the manner in which she feels most loved. That, so that's right. conversely the same, my, my spouse would have to also have that empathy, that understanding, that care. And then when both people are making that their endeavor, it's beautiful, that's where love can flourish. But cultivating that empathy is such an important thing. But if a person has a hard time saying, I love you, which some people struggle to do that, they'll do anything for you. Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll take out the garbage, they'll, they'll pick you up, take you somewhere, they'll bend over backwards for you because service is their main approach. Mm -hmm. But there are things that come easy to us and things that we have to dig a little deep. So empathy can be that catalyst yes. that actualizes that. Absolutely. And that's really, like you said, it may feel a little uncomfortable, but that's really what brings the, you know, the deep intimacy and the deep safety in any relationship when we're able to be able to understand them, right? Because if you're saying I am words of affirmation, you know, then I am saying to you, when I give you those words of affirmation, when I'm able to encourage you, I am saying to you, I care for you. I respect you because that's be saying that to you through doing the words of affirmation. And vice versa, you know, if you're doing acts of service for your friend or for your spouse, 
you were saying, I love you through doing that acts of service, through taking that trash out. And that's really what builds closer and more intimate relationships with your spouse, with your children, with your friend or whoever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even something like physical touch, a, a very good friend of mine was not necessarily the most affectionate person, but her husband was, and she learned to develop that part. And it was just so beautiful. Her, number one, her recognition, and number two, having the empathy and that connection to, to go above and beyond. And I think we're stretched by the Lord oftentimes to go into those areas, and then we, we grow into the best versions of ourselves. So what would you tell me about each one in detail? Yeah. Yeah, so um, the first one I want to go into, you know, details about actually is words of affirmation. And, you know, words of affirmation when, you know, for, for some people, words really build you up, right? For words really build you up, really hit home, really fill your love tank. But also for those that have words of affirmation is that when you say something negative, negative to them, it really affects them and kind of drains that tank. So that's something I want to talk about with each one is that, so words of affirmation, it is, is people that have that as a love need. It is needed. It is needed for them to hear that you are doing a good job. It is needed to hear that I care for you. They need those words spoken to them. And so those words really fill up their love tank. Those words really allow them to see that they are cared for by you, that they are loved by you, that they, um, that you find them worthy because you are speaking those words to them. But also when you may speak something negative to someone that has the words of affirmation, it's going to hit a chord a little bit deeper than someone else that doesn't have that love need. Mm. Um, Yeah, it can be a tool that can hurt um, and really hurt and cut someone really deep when they have the words of affirmation. So if you know you say something, you know, Um, I know one of my boys has words of affirmation. So if I say anything to him, I have to be very careful, even when I'm correcting him or disciplining him, I have to be very careful in how I speak to him, because I know that if I say something such as I'm very disappointed in you, that is going to really hit deeper than if I said to one of my other boys that doesn't have the words of affirmation. So really knowing these love needs really help you. Um, you know, especially I think in, in, I mean, obviously in, in marriage, but also in parenting, when you know your kids love needs, because you can know that some kids, you know, that if you say something, I'm disappointed in you, that really is going to hit deep and that really can affect them negatively. Um, or even, you know, when, if you're a teacher or, you know, knowing that your kids, how, what kids maybe you can speak a little bit harder to in those kids that maybe you have to be really careful in how you word things with them. Absolutely. And, and a great uh, observation on your point that just like a person is very much uh, animated by words of affirmation, there's the contrast to that. And there's a wisdom in counseling when we talk about I statements, right? A certain way mm-hmm. to approach someone. And that's particularly relevant with somebody that has a love language geared towards words of affirmation. You know, being able to, on an occasion, challenge somebody or confront somebody, but being mindful, too, of their sensitivity towards words. So it's it's got the upside and it has the contrast as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, with words of affirmation, you know, people that, um, you know, feel 
that feel that allow their love tank to be filled by this, you know, we're uh, notes are great things sending a card because cards, you know, is, is words written. So sending cards, sending love notes, sending encouraging text messages and emails. So all of those forms of communication with someone that words of affirmation really does allow them to them to feel cared for and loved for by you. And again, when you're doing the words of affirmation to someone, know that this is how they hear, I love you and I care for you, right? That's exactly. how they're hearing it is through the words. How about physical touch? Physical touch. So this is one that, you know, so some people will say if they aren't in a marriage that, you know, some people will say, okay, physical touch is, you know, the intimacy, but it's more than just, you know, the sexual, it is also just you know, when someone that has physical touch, they like to be hugged. They like, you know, if you put your hand on their shoulder, you know, with kids, they like to have your arm put around them or kind of squeeze their arm, you know, for kids, you know, I, none of my boys have physical touch as their, as their top love need, you know? Um, but I do have a, a good friend that she really enjoys, you know, physical touch. And so I'll notice every time I'm with her, she kind of sits close to me or she puts her hand on my shoulder or sometimes she'll even squeeze my hand because that's her way of her. That's her. Exactly. Love need. And so that's what she's giving to me is that love need back. And so any sort of touch sitting close on the couch, you know, for, for Mary, a married couple or those that are dating, sitting close on the couch. Um, even, you know, if you have a child that has physical touch, sitting close to them, allowing them to sit when they're younger, sit on your lap. Um, and, and so, but just really being close, that is the key. Physical touch to the closest being close physically is where they can kind of feel your warmth up against them. So, mm -hmm. I've seen it because my dad is not a big physical touch guy. He'll give me one of these quick, tap hugs and then i'll say i'll say hug me like you mean it because i am physical touch and then he'll okay. he'll then he'll lean in and honor me there but then one of my nephews when we're watching a movie he needs to press his shoulder close yeah. to me you know because that's again that is his love language yeah. so it's great to distinguish one from the other right and with that we have three more love languages to cover and we will do so alicia once we get back from a short break Welcome back to Wellspring on the Air. I'm here with Alicia Foz as we discuss the topic of the five love languages. And thus far we've covered uh, physical touch and words of affirmation. Uh, by the way, if you've joined us late, you can find us on your favorite podcast channel on Wellspring on the Air or on our website blog page at wellspringmiami.org. Just search for this topic. So Alicia, we've covered two, we have three more to go. Uh, which one would you like to broach next? Yeah, so I guess next one we can do is acts of service. Yeah, so, so yeah, so when someone's primary love language is acts of service, they feel loved and appreciated when, when people do nice things for them. And so it can be something as simple as such as putting, you know, putting away the dishes, putting gas in the car, just little things like that, little acts like that go straight to the person's heart. And then, you know, they, they love when people just do little things for them. It doesn't have to be a big gesture, but just anything little. When you do that, that is your way of to them. That is your way of saying, I love you. And that is goes straight to their heart. And again, as you had stated before, that really fills their love tank. So acts of service yeah. uh, manifested by somebody who may not be very verbal, but will literally go above and beyond for you, you know, mm -hmm. cut the grass, 
do errands for you or with you, uh, whatever it is you need, sometimes without you even asking them. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's it is, you know, they may not speak their speak the words. I love you. As you had just said, they may be someone that maybe is a little bit quieter, but, but their way of saying, I love you, um, may not be the same, you know, as someone that has the words of affirmation that may say, I love you, but their way of saying, I love you is by doing these acts. And again, you know, I, I, I think of my father, my father definitely is an acts of service guy and, you know, a man, a few words, but you know, when he comes to my house, he will do any sort of handyman work around my house. And because that's his way of saying, I love you. Um, and so, you know, definitely, um, again, kind of going back to what you and I talked about at the beginning is really knowing what your, what your friends or your family members love, um, you know, one of what their love language is really does allow you and has freedom in the relationship because you know what to expect. You know, you know to expect that this their love language is acts of service. So I know that for them, this is how they communicate their love or receiving gifts or the physical touch. You know that it really brings freedom in the relationship and it really allows you to be able to know how to also give back to them. That's really the thing is I know that they have acts of service, so I know how to give to them. I know what to do to be able to fill their love bank, love tank and know how to communicate love to them in a more effective way as well. That's incredible. At the place where I work uh, as a teacher and as a counselor, uh, there's somebody who is very faithful, very devout and quiet. He doesn't say much, but there was an occasion where I mentioned that I hadn't been able to set up my, my laptop and I needed the docking station to get rewired. Uh, I leave for a while. When I come back to the office, it was all done. He, wow. he heard me say it and he went and without any hesitation, uh, did me that favor. And I was just blown away by, by his service, by his generosity. And it goes a long way. And when you can acknowledge that we come in different shapes and sizes and different forms of expression, Absolutely. it really helps you appreciate the diversity of love in that respect. It does. Yeah. It's amazing. It is. So we, quality time is an interesting one. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, quality time is an interesting one because a lot of times I think people think, well, I'm spending time with you, but really the love and affection is expressed when it's undivided, that undivided, I think that's the key word in there is undivided. You know, this means putting down the cell phone and turning off the tablet, making eye, eye contact and actively listening. So it's, it's being able to really focus on them, being able to give them your undivided attention and not have other things distracting you. So I know some people will say, well, you know, um, I, I, you know, it's quality time. So for them, it's not just sitting and watching a movie. Maybe that can be at times sitting, watching a movie, but it's really being able to connect and being able to see that the other person is giving you that undivided attention, giving you the eye contact and really focusing on them and focusing on what they're saying. And I also think the other key, as I had just stated, is actively listening. Um, and I think when, when a person has the, you know, that need of quality time, you know, for some people, it can seem a little draining to other people. They can feel somewhat drained, but I don't think it has to feel that way. If you're giving them the quality time, you know, and doing it for 20, 30 minutes a day, you know, just being able to give them that undivided attention for 20 or 30 minutes, that really should fill their love tank. 
So being able to do it in, you know, short increments, sometimes sure. for those that maybe don't have the quality time, you know, for someone that's maybe an acts of service, it may make, it may make them feel a little uncomfortable having to do that, but doing it in those short little increments won't help drain the other person. And like you said, everything uh, is, is sort of within that category, your gestures, your eye contact, yes. your ability to reflect, reflect back a little segment of the conversation just to indicate to that person, hey, I'm following you. Yes. I'm not doing the blank, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm not sneaking peeks at my phone. I'm not doing this, you know, oh, I'm listening to you as I scroll through my latest Instagram post. No, I am giving you my undivided attention as evidenced by my body, you know, my my verbal affirmation. Yes. You, you've seen it, the uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's almost like not even timed or synchronized. So it's a beautiful thing when someone is really listening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's it. It's what you just said. It's really the listening. So for quality time, you know, when I've worked with different clients and so forth with this, and when they have said that, it is really the actively listening, as you said, and it's just giving them that attention for that short period of time, if it's 20, 30 minutes, and being able to reflect back what they're saying so that they know that you're engaged and they know that you are listening to them. So absolutely. And they may not want to say anything, but in the event that they do, then you can employ those skills and, and give witness to your attention by the things we just mentioned. But let's say my brother wants to watch a game with me and he doesn't want me to talk much. He wants to comment on the game. But when I get up to leave, he'll ask me, where are you going? Right. And in my mind, we haven't said a word to each other. But then I realized he just wants me there to share that experience with him. Yes. So it does shared manifest itself in different ways. Absolutely. And the shared experience is a way, too, for quality time. Like you said, just a sharing experience of enjoying the game, the action of the game. Yes. So last but not least, the giving and receiving of gifts. Yes. Yeah. So, so this one's a tricky one because when I picture it, I picture something very lavish, you know, something very formal, but it could be a simple gift, right? Absolutely. So to a person whose love language is receiving gifts, gift giving is a symbolic, is symbolic of love and affection in their mind. So they treasure not only the gift itself but also the time and effort the gift giver put into it, okay? So it's it's not just, it's not like you said, it's not that they want this big elaborate gift. It's for them, it's the time and the thought that went into it. So for you, you know, being out at a store and saying, oh, I really know that this friend really enjoys, um, you know, the Miami Heat. And I, there's a book here on the Miami Heat. So I'm going to pick up this book on the Miami Heat and give it to them because that, it's a thought, the thought that went into it and for you to realize and to know that, okay, my friend likes this. For them, that is a symbol of love and affection in their mind. It doesn't have to be a big elaborate, but it really is um, the, the thought. And it really is, you know, for them, the effort that it took to get that gift as well. They know that, that you planned it, which entails yes. time and that you went to a specific mm -hmm. store absolutely, and that you thought it out that it wasn't just an arbitrary thing, that you thought it out yes. based on the likes of said individual. Yeah. So you admire and appreciate the process mm -hmm. that got the gift 
you know, that helped you obtain that very gift. Mm -hmm. That's actually a very good point. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and I think for those receiving gifts, um, you know, again, it, as you had said at the beginning, it doesn't have to be elaborate at all. It can just be something small. It can be something simple. It can be something even, you know, handmade. Um, but it really is the thought that went into that gift. That's really where the heart of it is for those that have the receiving gifts as their love language. It's really the heart of you thinking of them and you realizing that they like this and spending the time to get it, put it together and then bring it to them. Absolutely. Have you noticed uh, a positive change in therapy when couples or parents put these love languages into practice? Oh my goodness, absolutely. You, you see that people feel connected. They feel the emotional connection. They feel the love connection. Um, they don't feel as lonely because they know that their um, partner or spouse or child or whoever it is or parent is able to meet that need. Yeah, the loneliness uh, goes down. The connection really goes up. Without a doubt, I see a huge change when people put this into practice. Right, and if someone's going out of their way to love you in that specific way, mm -hmm. it compels you to reciprocate that as well. Mm -hmm. Such an interesting topic, such a, a powerful witness to, to believers as well, because Christ loved in a tangible way. He's the word made flesh and didn't remain at the level of abstract. Mm -hmm. And I think human beings who give and receive love, you know, do so in tangible ways and knowing the temperament of the respective individual helps so much, which is why I'm so intrigued by this topic and uh, really enjoy discussing it with you, Alicia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I really enjoyed, enjoyed it as well. Thank you. Well, that is all the time that we have today. I wish we could actually discuss this more. Uh, if you joined us late, you can find us on your favorite podcast channel on Wellspring on the Air or on our website blog page at wellspringmiami.org. It is time for us to close out. Thank you so much for joining us today, Alicia. And encourage us and let us know you are listening by sending comments or questions to Wellspring on the Air at wellspringmiami.org. It's time to end our show. This is Mario Diarmis with Wellspring on the Air because hearts and minds matter.